Welcome to Lost in Twin Peaks. Today's episode covers the Twin Peaks storylines that take place in the town in Season 3, Part 6. In the drug storyline, we watch Richard scoring from Red and actually trying the, the drug itself, which Red describes as sparkle. He says, we're going to move some sparkle right down from Canada. That's probably the drug he's giving Richard, we would assume. But this is a great scene. During their encounter, Richard tries some of Red's drugs and uh, then they get to talking and Red just totally establishes his dominance over Richard. Uh, Richard's kind of perplexed by him, gets annoyed when Red calls him kid. And then he, Red just kind of mind fucks him. He plays this weird coin trick where he flips it in the air and somehow it seems to land inside Richard's throat. And then at the very end, uh, Red slams the coin down on his hand and he says, heads I win, tails you lose. Such a great line because it takes you a moment to think about it and be like, oh, shit. Yeah, okay, that's that's <laughs> that's not saying what it initially seems to be saying. And uh, it's just a great encounter between these two characters that was apparently greatly expanded and to a certain extent improvised with Lynch and Balthazar Getty, where he just molded this performance and built it up as they shot it. The scene was supposed to take place out in the woods, but it ended up being shot indoors in a warehouse area instead because it was raining outside. And that has a totally different feel than if it was in the woods. Uh, I, I don't know if they were going for sort of that mystical, magical vibe to a certain extent. In this cavernous industrial place, it has a different impression that feels very much in keeping with some of Lynch's early works in particular, where he just is always fascinated by industrial processes and places. You don't get too much of that in the earlier Twin Peaks. I think the only time you see it really is with the mill, particularly during the credit sequence and in the pilot. And then afterwards, you, you don't get much of that, which is interesting because you see the opening credits for the pilot and you'd think that the show is going to be much more about that contrast between industry and nature. In Twin Peaks, with the Cooper investigation, we almost get nothing. But then at the very end of the episode, we see Hawk in the bathroom. He drops a coin. And as he kneels down, he sees a logo on a stall which has a Nez Perce uh, it has a, a Native American's face on it, and then the name Nez Perce, which we know from Mark Frost's Secret History book, is supposed to be Hawk's tribe, because it's a tribe from that area where Twin Peaks takes place. And because the log lady told him that uh, he would get a clue that had something to do with his heritage, he pays close attention to this. He looks up the door, and there's like a loose screw up there. He reaches in, and he pulls out these pages. As he's doing so, you know, the obnoxious Chad drops by, and uh, annoys him, and he chases Chad away, but he gets those pages out from the door, and he walks off, and that's it for that. It's so noticeable that, that this is the only glimpse we get of it. It almost feels like a tease, like there's a sense that this is a plotty mystery element, something people kind of lean forward in their seats to say, oh boy, like where is this leading? What's What's going on with this? And there's not much else of that in this episode, except, I suppose, with the glimpse of Diane, and to a certain extent with Red. For the most part, this is an episode about experiencing a moment, whether it's a violent moment or a contemplative moment, like some of the ones we get with Carl or, or Dougie Cooper scrawling all over the pages with windswept building on the soundtrack. That's the kind of episode this is. So it's almost a shock to get this plotty uh, Cooper investigation scene going here. And it is nice to get a little nod to Mark Frost's kind of secret history interests. This is, I would say, the second overt nod to the historical aspects, the 19th century aspects of the secret history 
because we also have Wally Brando referring to the first Caucasians who uh, passed through the area, Lewis and Clark. In the roadhouse, we're back to a quiet closer. We, we aren't seeing any other people there, just the band. It's Sharon Von Etten this time. And it fits in more with like the ends of parts three and four, where we get this very mellow, relaxed kind of vibe at the roadhouse, a sort of contemplative, melancholy mood that it establishes uh, versus the trouble sequence in part five. Although it's worth noting, that one didn't close the episode. So, so far, almost all of the closing acts have had these this softer, quieter tone. Not so much the chromatics. That's certainly not hard rock, but they have a more intense vibe to them in a way. But this fits in with those other ones, I think. In Frank's family life storyline, we see Doris again. She charges in. She's berating him about not getting the father's fa car fixed, even though he says he did. And uh, says, well, maybe he turned the emergency brake on. She's yelling at him. And as they walk out, Maggie, the dispatcher, has to explain to Chad, you know, that, that she wasn't always like this and something happened to their son. And Chad just sneers, oh, I heard about that. He, he couldn't take being a soldier, you know, basically saying that the son killed himself uh, because of post-traumatic stress disorder from, the, uh, from his war experiences. And this is actually one of two times in this episode that the screenplay explicitly mentions war. Uh, we'll get to the other one in a moment. Frost tends to be interested in current events or recent history or just history in general. So that, that does feel like a touch that he would bring to it. A new storyline in this episode, it's not really a story, it's more like the drug stuff or the roadhouse stuff where it's a collection of fragments, is life in Fat Trout Trailer Park. We meet Carl leaving the trailer park that he manages. He's going into town and he kind of gripes about his life a little bit, just waiting for death at this point, but also boasts that he's been smoking for 75 years, which I think was true of Harry Dean Stanton as well. And he takes a ride into town with one of the residents of the trailer park, Mickey, who talks about his wife, Linda, and her issues with disability and with the government. And apparently, you know, she she is a veteran of... of whatever the war was in this world. I don't know if it was Iraq or Afghanistan or if there's a, some sort of separate parallel narrative going on, but they never refer to uh, the, the name of the place where these, these characters went. They just talk about war in general. This particular scene was something that Lynch rewrote. I do wonder what it was originally. I have to imagine the war part was probably already there because that just seemed like such a frost thing. For whatever reason, Lynch redid it, and part of the reason the characters laugh at the end is because he just handed them the dialogue. They had to memorize it real fast, and they were relieved that they, they pulled it off, so they kind of chuckled to each other. The new Fat Trout Trailer Park, as it's called on the sign, this is obviously a different trailer park. I think the one that was originally used was uh, destroyed and replaced with something else, and this is probably a trailer park somewhere else in the area. And it's cleaner, it's a little, seems a little nicer, and a little more boring in a way like it doesn't have that the dirt paths and the kind of more eclectic strange looking trailers that were featured in the film so that's interesting right up right from the get-go and i think there's in-world reasons for that as well you get the sense by moving to twin peaks which is probably a more upscale area than deer meadow even if it's having some troubles uh, lately which it is and it isn't but we can talk about that another time that perhaps this is now a little more upscale version but it also fits the show's aesthetic where it's trying to be kind of less colorful and picture book in a lot of ways and often using very mundane locations and often shooting them or treating them in interesting ways through Lynch's lens, but making them a little more down to earth in a way. 
less that Disneyland feel that Twin Peaks had at times where everything was just slightly exaggerated and unhinged. And also, I think Carl himself, you know, he's grumbling, but he's he seems a little more at peace with the world in a way. Certainly, we see that in that scene where he, he comforts the woman in the street. That's something that really rises much more just out of Lynch's relationship to Harry Dean Stanton and Harry Dean Stanton as a person and his screen presence and his gravitas than it does out of anything we saw of Carl Rod in the old series. One last note before we move on to the last storyline that we're going to discuss in the next episode. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, I want to talk about some storylines that have disappeared by part six. This means four episodes of absence, and there's quite a few because a lot of stories were introduced at the very end of part two and haven't been followed up on since. In fact, the only roadhouse kind of sequence storyline that we followed up on would be the roadhouse itself if you can call that a storyline you know the visiting of the bands and the people in the bar and seeing what they're up to but uh, among the specific uh, characters who we saw again at that point uh, we have not uh, seen sarah alone freddie is new in town james and renee another uh Renault at the Roadhouse and Shelly and Red. So those are five different stories seated in that episode that have not been followed up on since. We can't call them standalone scenes because they do seem to be setting something up, but we'll see where those go. For now we can kind of put them aside until they show up again, I guess. I'm actually gonna pause the coverage there. Tomorrow we're going to continue the in the town coverage with one more storyline a new one that's a very big one the hit and run story how it impacts the different characters involved i'm going to discuss that i'm going to share some thoughts that i recorded back when i originally uh, made these podcasts in 2018 about re-watching Twin Peaks a year later and the experience of the passage of time, which I think is doubly interesting now that another four years have passed since then. And uh, in addition to that, I'm going to include the spirit world section, the mythology, the lodge lore, that stuff. Uh, there just wasn't that much to discuss in this episode. So that's normally what I put out on a Tuesday, an episode just focused on the mythos. And uh, in this case, since there was so little of that and so much of the town stuff, I just split the town stuff up over two days and combined it. So that's why we're on a little bit of a different schedule, but uh, we'll follow that tomorrow. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can also support this work on patreon.com slash lostinthemovies. See you tomorrow.